Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 366. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we watch hot actors being gorgeous on a picket line. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and even though I'm on strike, don't worry, podcasts are not affected, and I will continue to kvetch into your earballs as entertainment shuts down around the country. Today, we will talk about the ins and outs of this double strike and what AI has to do with it. We'll also talk about Canadians and their connection to social media. And finally, girl dinner, what is it? And... Do you eat this way? I'm so excited by today's panel. You guys, I mean, you've heard him on this show many times before um, because he's great. Uh, he's just so insightful, such a fantastic talker, so funny. Um, and uh, on top of that, he has this other great quality, which is that he's Persian. Um, make it, you know, we just like to double the Persian of this ep of these shows sometimes. And we do that with host of the podcast, Fraudsters, which you should be immediately subscribing to if you haven't already been enjoying it. It is the one and only Sina Ghaznavi. Hey, Sina. Oh, my God. So great to be here where my last name gets pronounced correctly and I'm in the majority. <laughs> this is a best time ever. <laughs> and now joining us for the very first time, we got such a strong endorsement for this next gentleman. Um, and if you go down the rabbit hole of his works, you will not be disappointed. Uh, he's just um, 
brilliant and effortless. He is a sex columnist. He's author of the new book out right now. Um, it's called Boy Slut. It's a memoir and manifesto um, by the one and only Zachary Zane. Hey, Zach. Hey, thank you for having me on. I'm uh, excited to start talking here. Oh, my God. There will be very much chatter. And before we get into it, I just want to remind listeners that if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. We do bonus episodes um, in the Patreon. Uh, you know, two, um, a, a couple of episodes a month um, for the, you know, the low, low price of just $4. Uh, there's other levels um, that you can support the show at. You get other things. There's mugs. There's T-shirts. There's I don't know what. I mean, it's just fun. So go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad to support the show. And, you know, maybe you've been getting two doses of show. Maybe you've been getting regular Fake the Nation. Maybe you've been enjoying the recaps. Uh, we did recaps of Succession and The Bear. Um, we'll be doing other recaps in the future. So if you've been enjoying double doses of Fake the Nation, um, maybe you go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad and see other ways that you could get even more doses of Fake the Nation. All right. Now let's get into it with topic number one. Um, so our wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire, saw an insane headline on the CBC. That's Canada's public broadcast. And I mean, for whatever reason, Andrew looks at Canadian stuff sometimes. And we won't ask him or shame him. Um, and the headline was, quote, some young Cam Canadians would rather die earlier or not have sex than lose social media. Now, Again, this is in the CBC, so we should definitely take it more seriously. But because it feels just like a like a trash headline from like a trash, um, you know, um, source. But again, like public radio. But here's the thing: there was a study seven hundred fifty of seven hundred fifty Canadians, ages sixteen to thirty, and they were asked uh, this this sample group: would they rather give up? Um, what would they rather give up than social media? And most of them said stuff that you might consider like alcohol or video games, kind of stuff that you would hope would be the answer. But 10% of respondents said they would, you know, they would accept being unable to have children. They would give up sex or they would give up one year of their life to maintain their social media connections. I don't know. This was a little jarring um, uh, for me, but uh, I don't know. Cena, what did you think? Listen, I'm no boy slut, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, one it, day at one, one point day. in your life, you were. <laughs> I mean, I Lord knows I tried. But listen, I'm 40 this year, and when I look back, I wish I could have had more sex when I was younger. Are mm. these kids gonna be 40 and be like, I should have posted more? Is that like was so we lost, and these are I Canadians. Mean, like, and and Zach, this is you're an expert in this field. Yeah, are this are these ten percent making the right trade off? It's <laughs> I'm not surprised by it. I actually thought those numbers wow. were actually lower than I thought they were going to be. Oh wow! Um, and I, I think there are a few kind of reasons before that. When we think about the way that like social media connects people and the way that they are. Whether for good or for bad, right? Obviously, social media can be an absolutely fucking hellscape. Am I allowed to curse? Oh, yes, yes absolutely. Um, an absolute hellscape. I'm not saying it's not. But especially for kids who did not have or teenagers who did not have a life without social media, like that is how they connect. That is how they interact with people. That is their entire life. That is their friendships. That's what they do. So if you're being like, okay, do I take one year off my life when I have dementia, I'm living in an old age home, I can't remember my kids, 
Or do I rather be connected to my friends and to my community for the rest of my life? It doesn't seem like that wild of a trade-off. And then if we're looking at these other numbers too, okay, 10%, did we ask them like, do you want to have kids? I feel like more than 10% of people that age don't want to have kids. So they're giving up absolutely nothing then at that point if they don't think they want to have kids or they know they don't want to have kids. Um, I think we can't kind of underestimate the effect that social media has on people's mental health, both positive and negative, and how it connects them to literally the world and everyone. So, But also one thing about the study that I saw was the older that people got, like the less likely they were to um, feel this way, uh, take a year off their life. So like 18-year-olds, it's also they're fucking 18. Uh, right. and, and not what to be condescending, you know what I mean? But it's like, I don't know what yeah. I thought when I was 18. And I, the idea of being... 70 sounded like a million years away. The idea of being 30, and I'm 32 now, so, you know, I think of all the packs we yeah. made where I'm like, if I'm not married by the time I'm 30, and now I'm like, oh my God, I should be married to 15 <laughs> people at this point. I made that pack. So it really, like, they kind of made it, like, it, it makes complete sense to me. And I'm not actually surprised by it. I'm surprised the numbers were not uh, higher. You know, so so just to clarify, a couple of those numbers, 5% said they'd forfeit five years of life expectancy. 3% said they'd, they'd give up a decade of their life ex- expectancy. And I do. That's and a it's lot. So that's funny. A, I'm not saying that's not a lot. lot. That is a like, lot. That's that a, a lot. fucking shitload of years. <laughs> yeah. Because also, you know, you think of, like I think of like my own parents or whatever. And I think of like they'll they'll probably do whatever they can to like see their granddaughter grow you know what i mean and so obviously an 18 year old is not going to have the understanding of that feeling Mm -hmm. right Uh, you know like um i i you know can only just understand that feeling because i fucking had the child that they're obsessed with right yeah but i i see i get I, I mean, I, you know, but I, I think t- 10 years is a lot when we're talking about shit like that. Yes, um, of course it is. And and it also, I mean, so you mentioned the thing about like the, the older people got, the less they felt this way. Um, the 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 results, you know, a lot of the, the experts that were interviewed found the results scary and attributed it to people in the age group not remembering a time without social media. So it's interesting because I think like, if you had asked me as an 18-year-old, what would you give up for TV? You know, like TV yeah. was so integral. Like, I, I, you know, the idea of thinking of a time without television is crazy. Um, and so this is kind of like that, a, a utility for them, like television. Turns out television was a, just like a touch better for our mental health <laughs> um, than, than social media. I mean, so Cena, um you have a child. Yeah. Have you thought like, you know. I was going to ask you one this, of the, I think. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> one of the things they talked about is, you know, one of the experts found that the younger you were when you got your first internet enabled device, the poorer your current mental health status is. <laughs> so this is according, according to. So, so you have a child. When would you pull the trigger? I mean, there's internet and then there's social media right and i was actually wondering for you as well like i i don't know for us and we're gonna have another child here in in less than a month and it's like amazing all i want to do is delay them being on social media as long as humanly possible right like that's all i want to try to do the internet i mean i had an internet connection early i i think comedy and just growing up in america as a first-gen immigrant it's much more, much worse for my mental health than the internet connection was. 
ahead. <laughs> but, but I, you know, that's, I mean, we just got to delay it. I mean, it's just awful that it's a negative self-image kind of echo chamber thing when you're on Instagram. There's all these th- different things that it can, you know, uh, ruin in your psyche. It just is terrifying to me. I, I feel awful. I read one negative Reddit comment about our show a couple months ago. I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> you know, so I was at an event recently and there was like a 10 and a 12 year old and they were both on their cell phones and um, and they and their parents were explained to me that they had gone to Europe but like for the first time it took them on this like European trip of like three Venice and Barcelona and a third city I can't remember and you know and just like dream locations right and I get that when you're a tween you fucking don't get that those are like necessarily I mean I like I the first time I was in Paris I was (laughs) as listeners know I have a long and fond connection with Paris but the first time I went I was 11 um, we were there to take my um, refugee aunt out of her refugee situation. And and it was like the least glamorous thing you could possibly do in Paris. And we stayed in like not beautiful places. <laughs> and it was like very low budge and everything was like had this, you know, slight, let's just even say danger around it because we were in some very unsavory neighborhoods, but I thought it was like the best thing ever. And I was like obsessed. And the idea that these 10 and 12 year olds who I, who is then trying to have a conversation with and like, they didn't want to talk to me because they wanted to be on their phones. Um, Also, I was an older person and, you know, fuck other moms. I get it. Um, But like, I just felt like my heart sank and they said, they said to me, and I said, well, I mean, you didn't, you didn't, there was like, wasn't one interesting thing to you about Venice or whatever. And then literally one of the girls goes, there's nothing more interesting than my phone. Oh. And I almost set fire to all of the, the house I was, I mean, I was just like, this is horrendous, you know? Um, and so I, I definitely thought, okay, if there is an age for phones, this is not right. They, they need to be like five years older because they're not handling it correctly. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Zach, I don't know if you have kids or not, but I, if you did, what I would you I just got be? a vasectomy, so I feel like I'm the uh, yeah, wrong Zach. person to be. Zach, at. can you send me a referral, please? Yeah, can I, I get a referral? <laughs> Zero kids do not want kids, so I'm coming from this from a, a different standpoint. It's, now, if you want to be the critical uncle, okay. I, I can yeah, be the critical the uncle. Age. I do yeah. the niece. Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously, I try to postpone it as long as humanly possible. And I I understand why we are shitting on social media and why we're shitting on these apps. I understand the negative effect that it can have on people. But um, I also do think, especially, you know, as a queer person and the way that social media has allowed me to connect with other queer people, especially when you're from Bumblefuck, Idaho, from the small town, there are no other queer people and you're able to connect through Instagram, through TikTok, through buy TikTok, through queer TikTok, whatever it is. And of course, it's not as good as having a physical community, but the way that I know a lot of people have been able to make friends feel less alone, have this virtual community. So there are some benefits of it. Of course, people get addicted to it. People uh, use the anonymity to just be raging fucking racist assholes, pieces of shit, bullying and all of that stuff. So if there is a way to finding the balance is obviously a lot, a lot easier said than done. Also, like you can't control exactly what your kids are doing. They're going to figure out ways to go on it. So a way to have these conversations with them being like, okay, like, yes, there's some good aspects to social media. And in many ways, 
You also feel like you have to be a part of it to just be a part of this world, especially if you're that one person who's not on social media and that's how every single one of your friends are connecting and speaking to each other. You're not going to have friends. You're not going to be able to connect or communicate. Yeah, that's the tough part. So, yeah, like you don't want to feel fucking left out, which is it's another can of worms. It's teaching, I think, teaching kids and youth and teenagers how to you know, have boundaries with social media, when to put down the phone, when to... Just know how to block people, to not engage with people for your mental health, to not respond to haters and commenters. And I almost wish there was like a social media literacy or someone that created like a program that was like how to navigate social media without losing your mind uh, in a way that doesn't negatively affect your mental health. It's funny, like I think like a lot of kids had like, you know, it's easy. It's easier to like control TV time. Yeah. Because the parents are like, OK, now you get to have one show or whatever. And they watch their one show. And then, and there's something about like this phone that's like always with you. It's much harder to control, but it's like, I, I, I honestly believe, and we talked about what they're doing in Utah, like if it was just a matter of like controlling the hours that the thing was available, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, it could be as simple as that. So we'll, I just also want to close by saying that this is a, as just as a reminder, this is 750 Canadians. Is it schadenfreude that I was like, oh, it's um, maybe we're doing better than the Canadians. <laughs> you know what I mean? They really. I feel like we'd uh, be doing worse than the Canadians. I, I, I mean, assume we'd be worse. Yeah. Obvi- obviously, but there's but but the, but the headline is from out of Canada, like, so yeah, I'm gonna pretend. Us. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I'm gonna pretend like, oh, it's so sad what the Canadians are doing. <laughs> um, anyway, we don't get very many opportunities to feel better than the Canadians. You know so what I mean? Let's take up this fake opportunity to do that. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue our chatter. I am the type of person that has subscribed to things and I have forgotten about those things. I have paid twice for a children's educational app. And I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money. And because I use Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly angry. Thank God Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you. So you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing? Losing that money. Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and Rocket Money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year. 
using the app's features, which is, I mean, that tracks for me. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And we are back. And, um, well, this is what happened last Thursday as yet another episode of Fake the Nation dropped. Right afterwards, actors across this great land went on strike um, as a Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television Radio Artists followed the Writers Guild in the first time in over 60 years um, that both guilds are on strike at the same time. And the net effect is that it shuts down all of production. I mean, the writers had already shut down effectively like 80% of production. This really um, shuts it all down. And we'll get into some of what is being asked here, but... uh, Cena, what were your initial thoughts when you heard about this strike? Uh, I was happy. I, I actually thought the actors were going <laughs> to sell, sell the writers down the river. So I was happy that they came out <laughs> uh, in support yeah. of them. I yeah. think this whole strike thing is was like a confluence of several things that happened. You know, the expansion of the giant content umbrella. We always heard in the last like decade, right? Netflix use the Amazon model to grow their subscriber base. And that meant they just greenlit every project. It was nice. You had directors that said, I get to do what I want now on Netflix. This is so cool. Everyone's working. And you know, at that time, you're not going to have WGA or SAG be like, whoa, 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 guys. We should talk (laughs) about residuals. No, because there's just flooding the market with cash and projects. That's how they take advantage of everybody. And so I, I feel really bad. I think the the WGA and, and SAG are in a real tough spot here. I think it's I think we're going to need like Tom Cruise and Scientology to come meet with other Scientologists and just say we need to make movies again. And that's <laughs> that's the only thing that's going to break this thing. Um, Zach, what, I don't know um, how much you're affected. You're in LA. I'm in New York. I'm in Brooklyn. Oh, okay, okay. So I mean, you know, what what did you think of this? Is it like? Uh, has it affected anything of your viewing habits or how do you, you know? It's it's tough. It hasn't affected my viewing habits uh, just yet. I think from what I read, they're like, it's okay for you to continue watching your favorite shows and to see movies at this point and doing so is not actually helping if you didn't watch your favorite shows or see movies. I think for me, what, what was helpful about the strike and kind of what I learned was I obviously knew the people at the top, you know, the A-list celebrities making a gajillion dollars. I knew the extra actors and the people with one or two lines or less were making nothing. Uh, yeah. So I, I was aware of that. I thought the people in the middle, people were making a lot more, which is what I did not realize. Mm. Um, and what was helpful, I don't know if you follow like Luke Cook on Instagram, but kind of what one of his videos is going viral. I followed him because he's really funny and he has something like 900,000 followers verified. He's in um, 
the adventures of Sabrina, you, you'd recognize his face. Right. And right. he was talking about being like, I, I, you know, like the cars he drives, like I drive a Ford 2006 Ford. It was something like that. And he was like, I make, you know, if I'm on a show and I get like 7,500 an episode and it takes me two weeks to do this and then yep. five per, 10% go to my agent or whatever it is. I'm misquoting the numbers here. But like someone who I'm like, you have almost a million followers. I know you by name. You are someone that would draw me to a show and you're making, uh, you know, at the end of the year, I'm doing some crude math right now. But like, what, $130,000, $150,000 and you have two kids that live in L.A. and you are a full-time actor and someone whose name that I know. And that's really tough to live off of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you should be making more, especially when the executives at the top are making just billions of dollars, right? Yeah. Wasn't it over 85% don't meet the healthcare requirements in SAG? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and actually have the, let me give you guys some of the numbers here. The average actor makes $27, um, dollar, 27 and dollars and 73 cents per hour but again that means you that's when you're working <laughs> you know what i mean you spend so many so much of the year not being able to do an acting job and having to supplement with other jobs 12.7 percent um of the uh of sag after members qualify for the union's health plan that is a stunningly no low number of actors who are in a union who pay, by the way, up front. I don't know what the cost is right now, but when I joined, the cost was like $3,000. It felt like the end of the world to pay $3,000. So you pay a very fucking hefty sum to join the union. And then when you do join the union, it, it, you, it takes um, you have to earn upwards of $26,470 to meet the minimum to qualify for health insurance, um, which is why during the pandemic, so many people lost their health insurance. Um, again, with this year, I mean, I, I myself am looking at a scenario where I could lose my health insurance, you know, because I just don't know how where my SAG money is going to come from for me to qualify, um, which I, I'm 100% in, in support of the strike. But I'm just saying, like, these are the effects, right? But, but it doesn't matter because and, and the other thing, Sina, you mentioned it's like all these shows came, all the streamers, whatever, and they were throwing so much money at it. But there was also the smoke and mirrors thing that was happening, which is, yeah, there was all these new shows, you know, um, but there was actually fewer episodes. Like it wasn't like there were more episodes overall. So it's mm. not like people were making, you know, it's it, the, the opportunities were seemed a bit more but it's like for shorter stints and for more instability you know and streamers are not incentivized to keep a series going even if you love it because few people right. actually will be like oh i'm no longer subscribing to netflix because i canceled my favorite show as opposed to starting a new show which is what brings people in so there's no actual incentive to keep a show going for six seven seasons it's better to start new shows and if you look at how these companies are run now, you've got Apple, Amazon, Netflix. These are software companies or, you know, besides Apple, right? They do hardware as well. It's not just like Lionsgate or Discovery and stuff like that. The CEOs of these networks or these film studios, they want to get treated like software CEOs. They want to get treated. They're like Uberfying all of their business models. And that's going to be a mess. That means you're taking the soul out of all of these things. That means you're taking the you're making people into shadow. You know what I mean? This is just like churning people out to create the lowest possible cost per minute of finished content. 
with the maximum number of hours that you can get labor to do your work for you. Right. And one of the executives actually said like, oh, we're going to go, we're going to do this until we bleed them dry. Um, another one said, you know, these are people that kind of said these things off the record or, you know, with without um, anonymously. Uh, another one said something like, you know, we're going to keep going until they're all homeless. Um, these are like, this is kind of like the cutthroat world of big tech, you know, yeah. as opposed, this isn't even necessarily like how studios would have talked about this, you know, in the past, um, which is, I think it's hard for tech to understand that this is like more of a human focused business. Um, and, uh, and that's what's, I, it, you know, one of the, one of the central frictions I think that's going on. Sorry, you were going to say, Sina? Oh, I was just going to just add that, you know, if we look back at the last writer's strike, I think, what was it, 2008, uh, that you had one studio, I think it was United Artists, that made an interim deal with the with the Writers Guild. And that's what kind of started the dominoes to kind of fall a little bit. That started things to start. Other studios were like, okay, well, maybe we could come to the table a little bit more. It could be Apple or someone. It's not a lot of money for it. It's like the the change that Tim Cook finds in his couch could pay for everyone yeah. what WGA yeah. wants. It's truly not a lot of money. I wish I had the number on me, but they've actually calcula calculated this, that it's stuff that the, that all the studios can afford. It's Yeah, and I don't want to be like overly reductive here, overly simplistic, but it's like, uh, yeah, we, like we see how much the tops the execs are making, and it's hundreds of millions of dollars. It, it is just blatantly brazen corporate greed. Like, like that's what it is, and they think they but can Zach, get away with it. They work so hard. They work so. They work so hard. I also oh want to make the argument beyond. So I want to say CEOs can stand to earn a little bit less, right, and still make a shit ton. Wow, anti-capitalist Nagid Farsad. <laughs> And also, I want to say, I'm okay with like Tom Cruise and The Rock making a little bit less. You know what I mean? So that sure. some of this, some of this wealth can be distributed to lower level actors and, um, you know, um, to to writers, right? Like this isn't. Ha it's like, let's look at the holistic picture of how are these expenses being, you know, distributed, and where where does it seem a little egregious? And it does. And I frankly do think. Look, she says is like she hopes to one day make as much money as Tom Cruise, but like. I do think it's crazy some of those numbers that you see that some yeah. of these actors make. It's it, they could stand to make 10 million dollars less and still make a fucking shitload. What is the problem? You know what I mean? It's um, and that's interesting that's like something that like I've seen actors like almost not speaking against but not touching. You know, like they, they yeah. they've been very much just like okay, the people at the top and they'll be like, "Hey, they they are They've cranked the numbers and these people are worth it. You know what? Tom Cruise does bring in the X millions of dollars. He does. No, he I'm, does. I'm not saying he doesn't. And so that's coming. It's interesting seeing how like low level actors are not being like really are not calling out the high level actors being like, hey, can you maybe just do a little bit less? And I feel like I agree with you. I think they would be completely fine if they were making five, 10 million less. But a part of me is like they are at least earning it in, in some capacity yeah, doing no, the work no, and they bring I, the money in and it really is more of the tops. But of course, I'd like, yes, they can afford to make less, but like. Absolutely. And yeah. we're talking about really like a, like 
a hundred people uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that command crazy yeah, exactly. crazy fees or whatever yeah, and so like this isn't this isn't like even the average a-list celebrity yeah, right okay, like fair. this is the a- double a-list celebrity that we're really talking about and also i think if you talk to one of them directly they'd be like yeah i'll make 10 million dollars less so that fucking everyone they probably would them. yeah and, you know I mean, yeah. Also, like, they, I honestly they don't even pay for would. anything everything is free for them anyway right like, right <laughs> now let's talk i want to talk about where ai plays in it so so one of the one of the issues is is residuals which is like something that doesn't really exist in the streamer markets anymore you could be a part of a very 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 popular show and it doesn't matter you're still just going to earn basically your day rate your weekly rate your guest star rate or whatever which are very like again the average actor is not earning very much these are very like average kind of middle class lower middle class rates okay um so that's the residuals. It used to be that you could be on a TV show and then if the TV show did well, it would be, it appear again and you would get paid every time the show appeared. So like I have checks that I still get from stuff that has been on TV, on broadcast television. It just doesn't happen with streamers. That's a big issue. But the other big issue here is AI. And what's interesting is the AMTPT, which is the the governing body for all the studios that's entering into the negotiations with them, the guilds, um, they are not really budging on um, AI. Now, at, writers have wanted the, the AMTPT to sort of agree like that you will not have a robot write scripts. And that's been a sticking point. They don't want to say that yet. Um, but the crazier thing is how this affects actors because basically they could take a scan of your body you get paid for that day of work and then you and then they they what they want is they they want your body in perpetuity to use whenever and not pay you for it cena what do you think i spent a career trying to get hollywood to buy my body and now <laughs> I don't want any part of it. I think the scanning for the background actors especially is a, a peculiar type of evil that they are yeah. proposing. We're talking yeah. about folks that don't that make very little money that are sitting and waiting all day for just an opportunity to be on camera. Maybe every now and then one of them will get a line and then they can get into SAG, which probably is not something they even want to do anymore. This is like a whole different thing. Now, of course, I think there's a world where AI should be like a co-pilot for a writer. But writing, let's just take a a step back. What is America's greatest export besides war and ammunition to Ukrainians and stuff like that? It's our culture. It's art. (laughs) Real through, threw one in there, huh? I did. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's our art. It's our culture, right? If we have robots making this stuff, we're going to get smoked by some other country that's just like, no, we're just going to have our humans, right? It's not a big deal. (laughs) The idea that it's not a big deal is my favorite part of it. Um, Zach, did you know that AI could come for actors in this way? I think it's it's pretty surprising for a lot of people. Well, I mean, I just learned about this in the past four days, right? As as I've been reading the news, but this was something I wasn't familiar with. And and yeah, it's a particular brand of cruel. I feel like that's Mm. what you said. But it's also just the idea that like, okay, I worked on one show, and therefore you don't get to work on any other show ever. <laughs> and it's like, and in my world, it's like, would you be like, oh, yeah, I agree to that. It's like, no, my goal was to always be a background actor on, like, one show and then never get paid and never work and for you to use my face uh, as a serial killer life. in something else that I did not consent to. Like, like it, it's just like. 
I think it just really shows how far removed they are. Because I saw that, I'm like, this can't be real. Like, is this really yeah. what they're advocating for? This is so. Is this an onion headline? Yeah, or no, this is real. Exactly. Well, and and by the way, so people like Sarah Silverman are actually suing OpenAI and suing Meta because they found that um, there's there's also I think some some uh, novelists that are involved in this suit that. If you ask them, like, give me a something in the style of Sarah Silverman, blah, blah, blah. They basically have her book. They have her um, jokes from a million years. They have her, you know, whatever it is, appearances on television from a million years. And they're able to scrape all of that material and literally vomit out a thing that does sound like Sarah Silverman, right? If you have all of Sarah Silverman's words at your disposal and then you're asked to write a sentence that's of a Sarah Silverman style, the AI can do that. Um, now, some of some people might get hung up on how cool that technology is. Uh, but for some, for the and for like the three of us, right, who probably our voices are all over this internet, yeah. you know, our faces are all over this internet. There is no way we are not currently a part of these databases. And the idea that, they, that you know, um, that AI can just be like, oh, you don't need Nagin Farsad. I have a sense of what she would say anyway. Here it is. And it regurgitate it back. That's so fucking scary. And there's now lawsuits because this is a copyright nightmare. She did not agree. Like Sarah Silverman, did I agree to her stuff being in these databases? I mean, I know I, I certainly have not agreed to anything. <laughs> um, so, so I don't know. Like, does it, does this give you what what level of fear do you have as being these kind of like uh, art providers? It, I mean, it's terrifying. It's terrifying because I also wonder if they could do like stuff that is if they're replicating stuff that is like voicey and in our voice. That's particularly scary. Like I could yeah. almost see like AI being used to like, OK, break a journalistic piece, which should just be just factual. And that I take a little bit less like offense, uh, at, offense yeah. to. But like, I'm like, are we going to reach a point where essentially the only real writers will be or human writers will be writing nonfiction? Because that's at least the one thing that AI can never replicate no matter what. And will like they just be writing novels at this point? Because if you have access to every single novel in the entire world, AI is going to write great novels. And I feel like people are going to be like, oh, well, it's not going to have the human experience. I'm sure five years from now, they're they're going to write novels and they're going to ask people, hey, is this written by a human or a um Oh, AI yeah. and no one's going to know the fucking difference. So it's yeah. like, is this going to be putting novelists out of thing? Are we just really going to be focusing on nonfiction, first person essays? And I really hope not. I, I really hope not. This is potentially, comp- I'm working on a novel right now. Uh, I wrote my memoir and now switching the novels. And it's just like, shit, th- this is very, very scary. And I, I think the argument that I've kind of seen being like, oh, AI-, AI won't be able to have the human component. I'm like, that is not true. A- like, yes, it won't be written by a human, but I bet you it's still going to be human and emotional and pull out halt strings and be quite written. So like, I think it's something we need to be quite afraid of. Um, Sina, any final thoughts on where this should go? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more lawsuits. Unfortunately, I don't think the government's going to actually change the copyright laws anytime mm-hmm. soon because they w- work so slowly and there's just going to be, you know, figured out in the courts with its fair use. And then they're going to a judge or multiple judges are going to have to decide if the scraping of this data is actually a transformative use and a public good. Is it good for the public? And that's what I think all of this is going to hinge upon because companies are stealing it. They're, they're admitting they're stealing it. 
but they're saying that it's a benefit to the public, and that's what a judge is going to have to figure out. By the way, uh, Cena was a trained lawyer. I am good Persian boy. <laughs> I was like, wow, you know this quite well. I'm like, I just read I the one article here, and I... you're like, come on, like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, I folks, I I, I do want to say if there, you know, if there is a silver lining, it's that we're having these conversations now. We're having these lawsuits now, right? We're like, oh, OpenAI just went online when a few months ago, and now we're already in it. Like, we're already yeah. trying to like figure out how Wait, to like protect ourselves. Did you see? And so, so sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, I, I got excited here. So, I'm on Google Docs, and I was one of the first people who knows what that means, but actually now has AI in my Google Docs. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you got like offered that. Means. So it's just like it can help you write your pieces. But like instead of going to open AI, it's literally in my Google Docs and something that Google is now doing in my docs uh, itself. Um, hey, have you I mean, I still just have not found occasion. The, the times that I've tried to use it, it's been very unhelpful. And so I, do, I don't know. I just haven't had occasion to like make it useful for me at all. Also, my husband wrote a recommendation letter for someone using and he, he just as an experiment you he's like oh no that was great and and he was like you should use it and i was like i'm a writer i'm a right i'm a writer I, i've i've used it for so I, I i write a sex plan it which is the sex and relationship advice column at men's health so to fuck around i've written in the question and seeing what you know i write my thing first seeing what they write and right now it's it's not good it's just being like you should be open and communicate your feelings with your partner right, right, you should right, embrace right, this right. aspect of your sexuality yeah. and it's very vague boring. and feel good yeah. and boring um thank god uh i saw like yeah, I, yeah, thank yeah. god right? i saw dan savage recently was like hey this was the response that ai gave and here's my response uh, to a question and dan savage's actual and he specifically was write a, a response to this in the style of dan savage um and luckily his response was completely different than the ai which made me feel like very very happy and at least optimistic that at least at least they're behind for the time being, but who knows how good it could be six months from now. And they're answering these in a voicey, hilarious, deep way. Um, well, folks, uh, let us uh, let us not be too tormented by what's going on. Again, hopefully, we are all waging the correct battles so that it doesn't get worse, and then, in fact, does get better. Let us move on to topic number three: a way less tortured issue and something that AI could not come up with. <laughs> we read a think piece in the New York Times about girl dinner and we couldn't help but talk about it. The piece lays out the conditions under which girl dinner is pursued. Um, basically, you're tired. Um, it's been a long day at work. It's hot out. You're a girl. You grab a bag of popcorn, a glass of wine, some bread, some cheese, and a hunk of chocolate and settle into the couch for a night of snacking and watching TV. Is there anything more glorious Welcome to girl dinner, says the article. Um, <laughs> have um, Zach, were you familiar with girl dinner? I, I was not familiar with the term girl dinner. However, I have been doing girl dinner now uh, <laughs> since uh, the moment I moved away from my parents. As someone who hates cooking, uh, yeah, I feel like half of my dinners I'm too lazy to cook, and I just have cheese yeah. and crackers, a slice of salami, an apple, and peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> And call it a day. You know what I mean? And you're getting, I mean, I'm not a nutritionist here, but it's like I'm getting the essential food groups. Some basic things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. It's the, 
glorification. I don't want to say glorification. That's not the right word. But the the new excitement of this, I think just people like new labels. You know what I mean? And yes. calling terms that have been around for forever. So it's like girl dinner. And especially it's like girl bossing and anything that has girl in front of yeah, it, people right. get very excited by. I'm not a girl, but I, <laughs> I love me my girl dinner. And I think it's also a way, it, like reading about, like reading the article was like, okay, it's a way to kind of, I don't want to say justify lazy behavior it's not like it's still that but i feel like people are like okay this is maybe something i felt a little guilty about like prior being like oh i really should cook a meal i I should get to the kitchen and do something and now being like no you're not you're allowed to do this you don't have to cook a meal you're still getting your food groups enjoy it embrace it and i kind of like that aspect of it where it's like I, i like the element of like don't feel guilty for what you are eating and i think that i really much support and i think that's kind of a great overall sentiment to uh girl dinners here yeah where's Cena? boy dinner three miller lights and three miller a bag lights, of doritos some pizza. yeah yeah it's just yeah, like a bagel is actually is honestly a lot uh yeah <laughs> yeah bagel bites you leave too much uh, uh, i think one of the things i liked about this because uh, I agree with you, Zach. It's like when they put a label on something, it's like, oh, my God. But what it actually helped me realize was like, oh, my God, this is a phenomenon. This yeah. isn't just like I've seen girl dinner. I've been with women. My wife does girl dinner. My ex-girlfriends have done girl dinner. But I just thought that was just a, like I didn't really think of the through line. And then the fact that there's oh, it's happening everywhere. Is, yes. You know, there's a certain amount of like, OK, this is actually nice and grounding that this is, you know, not just my, I feel <laughs> right, connected. Like it's like it's something that brings humanity together yeah. is girl dinner. Um, no, but it, it what I do think is true is like this feeling of that, like you've been doing something for years and years and years and you didn't realize that other people were doing the same thing. And I also was sort of like, what did I think was happening? Did I think that other people were just like doing like a real casual like Chilean sea bass with like a balsamic <laughs> vintage regret reduction? You know what I mean? On a Tuesday night, like obviously there's days that nobody wants to do any kind of cooking, even the best of us. Um, and so what has been happening? You know, I, look. I also want to say there's like a tension between girl dinner and takeout, okay? Mm. Um, because I want to say that there's also girl takeout. <laughs> 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 and um, girl takeout, it comes from the very self-same conditions. You're tired. You don't fucking feel like it. There's a lot going on. Um, and so you just go and pick something up. I think that's also, you know, a, a tale as old as time. Nothing more American than that. Um, and I think girl, I think I want to say girl dinner is more financially wise mm. than takeout. I think takeout sure. going to end up costing you more. I think half of my paycheck goes to seamless at that point. I'm single handedly keeping them in business. Yes. Um, also, I try very hard, like, not to use Seamless. I literally go and pick it up. Yeah. Um, just make everyone feel bad about themselves. I was going to say, really make them feel good. You. Thank you. I'm Thank better you. than you, no, I, Zach. I can't be bothered um. to leave my couch. Uh, Simpsons is playing and I'm getting stoned. Like, I need to be here. Oh, the life of a man with a vasectomy. <laughs> I know. I know. What go- <laughs> I got you. I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it. it is, it is, it, this is ridiculous. I think part of me is also like, um, hey, New York Times, is this what we're printing? Yeah, don't even get me started <laughs> on the Times. Is, is there not enough happening Which, in the way, world? I love the Times. Okay. Sure. I love it. I fucking breathe the New York Times, but you know, and, and 
the New York Times deserves to fucking present things that don't matter. <laughs> it's my mom and uncle love to send me poorly written articles or articles of this vein. I think there was one about like how to have more fun. And they're like, you should be writing for them. You can do this better. <laughs> Uh, like, yeah, it's always kind of funny whenever they put out a more silly one. Uh, but I, I think you're right. They're allowed to um, publish with it if they want and have some uh, silly ones from time to time. That got us talking. So I guess it achieved its goal. Exactly. And that, my friends, is the end of the show. Oh, my God. It flew by. Can you believe? What a fun time I had speaking with the both of you. And I want people to be able to follow you and all of the amazing things that you both do. Zachary, Zane, where do they do that? Sure. Uh, so Instagram's honestly the best place. Zachary Zane underscore. The underscore is at the end. I have a nonfiction erotica zine that is extremely raunchy. I'm letting you know now. It is raunchy. It is graphic. I write pieces for it. I have other writers for it. Um, and that's called what's it called? It's called Boy Slut, which is also the name of my book, Boy Slut, a memoir and manifesto, which is either great branding or extremely confusing. I have not figured that (laughs) out yet. But if you Google Boy Slut, you're also going to find me as well. And last thing, so I write the sex and relationship advice column at Men's Health, and I have a non monogamy column at a Cosmopolitan. Folks, this man is prolific. He has a lot to share. Um, If this podcast was any example, he says it extremely well. Um, So immediately dive into the rabbit hole that is Zachary Zane. Thank you. Um, And uh, Cena, where do people find you? I'm at Cena now on all the socials, including threads. Uh, So you can find me there (laughs) as well. I'm on the... Talk. I feel like every time I've done this show, I've talked about TikTok, and I've maybe posted six times on TikTok. <laughs> uh, but Fraudsters is uh, the podcast I created, and I co-host with Ariel Lieti and Justin Williams. We have a new season out right now. We're doing George Santos. We did three parts on him. We did the Fugees that we just dropped. Oh, cool. We got Jim Trafficant. We're going to cover Millie Vanilli. It's going to be a, a really fun season. Oh, my God. Yeah. These names. Awesome. Millie yeah. Vanilli, yeah. Jim Trafficant. Wow. I cannot. <laughs> wait if you do not listen to the show it is so fucking fun just as as much as cena is um uh, it's it's fantastic you should subscribe um and folks i after a lot we talked about threads last week and i did not have an account and then and i was like very begrudgingly like um, (laughs) yeah yeah, i didn't know if i should open and then i fucking downloaded and i just opened one i still haven't posted anything but i am literally technically on threads (laughs) um so if that matters to anyone let it matter to you I know. I, I was just like, I don't even know. I, I posted, what, do I, what am I saying on here? I was like one or two things on threads and got just the same bullshit and hate and vitriol I get on Twitter. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not better. This is all terrible. This is all fucking like, come on. Like, what the fuck? Oh, what are we all doing? Um, but anyways, I am on threads. And I also want to let people know that um, I am a part of the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me stand-up tour where we will be doing a stop in... Um, St. Paul, Minnesota, and in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, So uh, August 17 and August 18, it may or may not be on my website. I'm not sure if I posted it yet. I need to update my website is what I'm trying to say to everybody. But but go to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Look for the August 17, August 18 dates. I will be in St. Paul and I will be in Kansas City. I'm really excited. And I hope you can come out and make it. I know we have listeners there. Um, so it'd be fantastic if you could come out and see the show. It's going to be a really good one, a really fun one. The lineup is incredible. Um, and otherwise, uh, you know where to find me and all the things. 
things and now including threads, I guess. Um, but what I really want to do is thank everyone who makes this show a possibility. That's our fantastic producer, Andrew McGuire, who for reasons unknown to all of us, sometimes checks out Canadian news. <laughs> um, I also want to thank everyone at HeadGum for making this show a possibility. Thank you so much to Gabby Alter for our theme music. And if you have any ideas or thoughts about the show, you can email us at fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com. People have been sending me their recommendations for what we should be recapping next. I've even been getting recommendations from for Australian shows and British shows, which I love because I never would have even known about these shows. Um, so keep those recommendations coming. And um, we will be recapping again soon. Uh, we're just putting our ducks in a row to figure out what will the next recap be. Um, and it's also an interesting time to do it because uh, TV has been basically interrupted. Hey! Um, so who knows? We'll, we're also taking recommendations for films. So hit us up if there are any films from the past, from the present, from the future that we should be on the lookout for. All right. Um, thank you so much. You've all been so wonderful. And we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.